If you have your Bibles, I heard this is a Bible preaching church, so if y'all have your Bibles, Luke chapter 22 is where I'm going to be, Luke chapter 22. If you don't know where that is, it's in the New Testament. The Bible split up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament starts off Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke is where we're going to be at today, Luke chapter 22. We're going to be at the end of Jesus' ministry. This At this point in time, he has um, fulfilled his ministry. He's getting to a point in his life where... He's about to go die on the cross, and so he's had a few significant moments where Judas, the one closest to him, has now betrayed him, and Jesus is in his last, he's had his last supper, which what we just take, we just took the communion, and he explains it, and, and then he goes to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's in this moment where, where he's in what the Bible describes as one of the toughest moments of his life. And, and I don't know about you, I love what Pastor Josh said today. I just, I think sometimes we can, um, we can Christianize our life a little bit to where like we don't see the, like we pretend like things aren't hard or like we pretend like things can be, like it's all good, it's going to be all good. Like, but no, how many of y'all know, like sometimes things are just hard. Like life is just hard. And, and, and if you don't know how to handle the hard, like if you don't know how to handle the Thursday, you, you really won't get to the Sunday, because Jesus had Sunday. We celebrate Sunday. Sunday was the resurrection, but it was what he did on Thursday. It was what he did in the garden that allowed him to get to Sunday. And so today's message is for anybody who might be stuck in the Thursday. That's right. Like if you're stuck in like a little bit of that moment where you're just, man, I'm wrestling with this. Or something's going on. This is, this is Jesus' moment. So Luke chapter 22, verse 39. If you're not, it'll be up on the, look at that big old screen. That's powerful. <laughs> Luke chapter 22. It says, and he came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of olives, or this would be the Valley of Kidron, or this was the place in the Old Testament where you actually see this. This is not the only part in Scripture that you actually see this area. This is the area where there was um, constant uh, pressure. There was, was a place where they burned a lot of things. This is a place of ashes. This is a place of agony. So this was not. This is very poignant that he would go to his place of agony in a place of agony. And it says, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw away, knelt down, and he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your wills, yours be done. I speak really fast, so you all going to have to pay attention. <laughs> and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he's like, what in God's name are you doing? I thought you were my boys. Clearly, you did not get the memo. You're supposed to be here with me. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 47, he says, while they were still speaking, there came a crowd and a man was called Judas. One of the 12 was leading them and he drew near to, Judas and he, to Jesus and he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Judas, why would you ever do that? Betray me with a kiss. And then those who were around him saw that he would follow, and they said, Lord, shall we, shall we strike with the sword? I kind of like that. I feel like Peter's my, my dude. Y'all need somebody in your life who'd be like, we want to go get him? Like, that's why I kind of, I read the Bible like that a little bit. You know, I'm like from California, like West Coast. Like, we invented gangs. Like, so I see, like, I see, like, Peter from the hood. He's like, are we doing this? Like, you want me to go get him? That's how I read it. And he, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he, and he healed him. What do you do? What do you do when you're, 
when you're going through your struggles? What do you do? How do we, how do we live a little like Jesus in this moment? We're going to talk a little bit about called faith today, faith. And we're just going to have a good old-fashioned faith message. I just thought faith would be good to preach. Just faith. Because sometimes I just need faith. I don't need a, I don't, I just, I just, sometimes I just need to, I'm just, we're going to build some faith today. So with that, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. I thank you that today, Lord, you're here, that you're speaking, that your word is going to go forth, that God, I will get out of the way. We're going to make much of you today, Jesus. And that you would be exalted, Lord, that, that every word that would come out of my mouth would be covered in the Holy Spirit and that your words would speak, not mine. So I pray right now, Lord, for transformation to happen, not just information to go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Um, I, I grew up in high school, uh, wrestling in high school. Anybody wrestle in high school? Anybody wrestle in high school? Anybody? anybody okay, call it. Any, so no wrestlers. That's the first time that's ever happened. All right, uh, football. Anybody ever played football in high school? All right, ba- baseball in high school. Did anybody play a sport when they were a kid? Raise your hand. Great, now I got three people. Okay, so we, we, when in, in, in sports, when you're a kid, you have coaches, and I don't know if you know this, but sports and coaching come with this thing called cliches. They are no, cliches are created by sports. They're created by by coaches who say things, and they say things because, here's why. They say things because they want you to remember it. And so they said stuff, like when my coach was interesting, he used to say, he, he used to have this statement. He had a bunch of cliches he used all the time. But one of the, one of the ones he used to begin with the end in mind. Anybody ever heard that before? Be, begin with the end in mind. Like wherever you want to get to, you need to start where you are right now and take a step. And I'm like, that's good. He, another one was, he said, um, you, you make your plan, you, you, or you work your plan and you, and you plan your work. Like he's like, you got to work your plan. You got to plan your work. You got to get where you're going. And he had all these kind of cliches. He used the greatest ones though. I thought were kind of funny. He would say stuff like, you know, y'all know this. They're so... They're cliches because everybody knows them, and I'm going to prove it to you right now. Y'all ready? So this was one of them. He would say, no pain, no. Yeah, you know them because they're cliches, right? So he would say that all the time, no pain, no gain, and we get that. If you're a parent in here, you know exactly what that means. Like, you're just trying to get your kids out of the house, so you have, but it's going to be painful. Um, The second one was, uh, he said, he used to tell us all the time, there's no I in in team, yeah, you know that one because, and I used to tell my coach all the time, I'm like, yeah, but there is in winning, like, there's a lot of I's. In winning, tell him to do better because he's pulling us down. It's just how I was. Uh, here's the last one. He used to say this all the time, and we know this is, this is a funny one. He goes, it's not it, whether you win or lose. It's what? It's how you. You know who created that statement? Yeah, losers. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I used to tell him that. I'm like, that's not real. That's not a thing. Like, it's, it matters. When I was a coach, I just recently coached my kids' flag football team, and I told them, I said, I, said, I, I had a question. I did a trick question at the front of them. I said, does winning matter, guys? And everybody was like, yeah, no, yeah, yes, no, no, yes. I said, yes, winning matters. Now, it's not the only thing that matters, right? I had to kind of clarify that because the parents are on the back like, what are you doing? Like, I'm like, oh, it matters, you know? Like, the participation rewards that make no sense, that, that's dumb. So, like, the kids need to win something to win something, all right? I'm not giving you a medal to show up. I'm not giving you something just to breathe. You need to do something with your life. That's not even in my message, sorry. So... So I, I was wrestling one time with my coach, and he goes, Aaron, Aaron, come on, work your plan, plan your work. I'm like, all right, sounds good. So he goes out. We had this high school wrestling competition, my first ever wrestling competition. It's just for, for those of you who don't know, varsity wrestling competitions are you, you have a big gym. They, they turn off all the lights. and put one light in the middle of the thing. You have one mat. All the people watch one mat, and you actually have uh, wrestling matches that go from the smallest weight class to the biggest weight class. Well, in high school, I was a little huskier than I am now. So I, I was in the, le- the farther end weight class up at the ends with the 200s. 
And so I was towards the end, and so all my team was wrestling, and they would wrestle one at a time, and then you add up your points at the end, and the team would win or lose based on that thing. My team was doing good, but we were neck and neck, and we get all the way to my weight class, and my weight class match was whoever going to win this one was going to win the tournament, right? So I'm like, this is important, right? So before the matches start, they run you out, and you shake the hand. You, they run you out in the middle. You run out, you shake the hand. And you look them in the eye, and then they kind of celebrate you. And then you run back, and you wait for your match. So I'm going to go out there and do what I, I know I need to do because I'm a, I'm a man, and I'm going to intimidate this guy. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to squeeze the hand of this guy. So I walk out, and I run out, and I'm waiting for this dude to come out. I'm like, where is he at? It's all dark. And all of a sudden, I see him walk out, and, and a grown adult. He's not a t I'm like, there's no way this guy's in high school. A grown adult walks down. He's walking down, and I go, where's you? You're the coach. Where's the kid? And he goes, no, you're wrestling me. He gets down, and I'm like, all right. So I'm hyping, hyping myself up, and I'm like, put my hand out, and I'm like, I'm going to squeeze him and intimidate this guy. My hand, have you ever, do you remember when you were a kid, and you put your hand in your dad's hand, and it, it disappeared in his hand. That's what happened. And so my hand went into his hand, and he looked, he was like eight foot tall. He looked like that dude from Rocky, the Russian guy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like I will must break you, right? Like, that's how he was. He, he put his hand out, and he squeezed my hand so hard. And I remember squeezing. I, I did my thing. I was like that, and I looked at him, and he, 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 he smiled at me. And then he squeezed, and, and I was like, uh, like that. I, I, I went like that, and he knew he had me, and that was it. So I'm nervous the whole match, right? It's leading up to our match. We walk out. I'm getting ready to go, and my coach, right before he goes, come on, man, work your plan. Plan your work. Come on, you got this. You got this. You can do this. And I'm like, all right, I got this. And I'm like hyped up. I'm ready to go. I come out there. The whistle blows, and the next thing I remember was, was the collective gasp of an audience. And, and, and I can't fake it, so I want you all to help. You're all going to help me with this, okay? So on the count of three, we're all going to go <gasps> like that because this. I, wanted, I just want to give you an idea of what I heard this is after the whistle blew. So on the count of three, one, two, three. That's what I heard. My body hit the mat, and when I woke up, I was on the side in the, like next to the locker room, and I looked at my coach, and I said, who won? Now, let me ask you, let me just tell you. If you have to ask, Pastor Josh, if you have to ask who won, you lost. And so I said, I said, well, what happened? My coach said, well, he, that guy worked his plan, homie. And he's like, he, he did that. And I, I remember asking my, my, myself, I looked up at I don't know if y'all ever do this because I was a Christian at the time. And I prayed before I went out and fought the Russian. And I, I, like, I was like, God, you're going to be there. Like, you're going you're gonna to show up and I'm going to win. And it's going to be the next Rocky story. And I'm going to be, and then it didn't go the way I planned. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment with God before. Have you ever had a moment where you're like, God, you are in this. I'm going to make it happen. There's nothing's going to, and nothing can come against me. Lord, you're going to be good. And then all of a sudden you're in the garden with Jesus. And you're wondering, how am I supposed to do this? You know, like, how am I supposed to live by faith and not by, you know, we all sing those songs. We have that scriptures. We all do. We all have them. You know, we all, we all been to the Bible bookstore. We have those things on our walls. You know, the picture and the bumper stickers, and we're like, you know, and we tweet and we re, we post and we Facebook all the scriptures. We live by faith and not by sight. And the problem is, is that when you're in the garden, that's really hard to do. Can we be real? In South Louisiana, my people, we, I want to know how when we get through our gardens, like how you be like Jesus. 
when I'm suffering and when I'm stressed out, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm in that moment. How, I thought it was fascinating that Luke chapter 22, verse 43, it says that, that then an angel appeared and strengthened Jesus. And I thought, how poignant that, that the Bible would, if it's in the Bible, by the way, it's important. It's intentional. Like, why would he, why would the Bible put that he strengthened? And I think in those moments, I want an angel to appear and strengthen. I could have used an angel in that wrestling moment. You could have used an angel before in your life, in your stress. Maybe the moment right now, you need somebody to strengthen you. And it's not, it, it happens when, when, we, when we, we start to act like and be like Jesus in our garden moments because if, if he caught the attention of God, what was it that caught the attention of God in that moment when the angel appeared? It was his faith in those moments because faith is the currency of the kingdom. It's how, it's how God works. It's how he catches attention. You, uh, you, don't, you don't have to go back. I'll, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Matthew chapter 8, there's a centurion soldier, and he has this moment with, with Jesus where he walks through this moment where he asks, to, asks Jesus to heal one of his people, and Jesus says, well, I'll go do it. He goes, no, just say it. I'm a man of authority. I get it. I, I'm good. You're good. Just tell me to say the word, and you'll be good. And the Bible says that Jesus looks at him and said, I've never seen such great what? Faith. Faith. He didn't even say great obedience for all the religious folks. He didn't say you're a good giver. He didn't say, you, you, man, you know a lot of the Bible. He didn't say you were a good Jew. He said, I've never seen such great, because that's the currency of the kingdom. There's another moment where Jesus is talking and walking through a, a crowd of people, and he's literally walking through people, and somebody, a woman, a woman touches his, the, the hem of his garment, the seat seat of the rabbi. He actually walks up. She walks up. She touches just the, the cloth of his cloak, and the Bible says that something leapt out of him, healed her, and he looked around, and he said, someone touched me. And he said, you've been healed because of what? You're, you just believe that I am who I said I am, and that I can do what I said I can do. Like you just, there's something irrational about your, your belief in me that it actually has caught the attention of God, and he sent an angel to strengthen you in your greatest time of need. So if faith is the currency of the kingdom, and if that's true, then I need to know, in the time I have left, I'm going to give you four quick characteristics of faith. I think Jesus-like faith. I think if you're in that moment, because I don't know about you, I'm going to need these. And I'm going to need these moments to actually help me get through some of my toughest moments. So if you're in one right now, this is for you. If you've been through something, this is this could this could help you. This 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 was probably gonna help you. If you're gonna be one, it's gonna have, if it's coming. Cause here's what's funny about life: eventually you're gonna be in a garden. Have you ever noticed that? Like things are good until they're not. And when they're not, then then you're gonna you're gonna. My goal is to give you maybe some tools in this tool tool belt of a Christian. Number one is this: four characteristics of of Jesus-like faith. The first one is this: here's what you need: you need collective faith. Because you can't just say, like, I think it's irresponsible for me as a pastor because I teach our church a lot. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, you need to have faith. We have to explain what that means. Because just have it like, like, I need to have faith. Well, what kind of faith? What does that even look like? How does that manifest in my life? This is, what, this is the kind of faith you need to have. You and I need to have collective faith. Look at what Jesus did in, in verse 39. He says, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus and the disciples, I like this. This is funny. He said, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to a place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, let me ask you a question. 
This is Jesus. The Jesus. Like, Jesus. Not the artist formerly known as Jesus. This is Jesus. <laughs> he, he is God on earth. I want you to understand this. So Jesus, who is Jesus, has the power of Jesus, is God on earth, and he brought somebody with him during his toughest time. And I find it interesting as a pastor, I'll talk to some people in our church, and we're like, man, what are you doing? I mean, how you doing? How you doing? I said, man, I'm going through it right now, you know? I'm like, well, who, who are you going through it with? Just myself. Just me and God, you know? Just keeping it real, you know what I'm saying? Just, just trying to be close to God right now. And I'm like, with who? Like, with who? Well, you know, I just, you know, I feel like just personal one-on-one time. I, that's good. But if Jesus got through his tough time with people, it's, it's in the Bible on purpose. Let me, let me ask you a hypothetical. Did Jesus need those people? It's not a trick question, right? No. He doesn't need anything. By definition, he's God. But he chose, come on, to bring people with him in his toughest moment. And I just believe that in order for us to get through some of our garden moments, you and I are going to have to go through it with someone. That's, I know this is like bugging all of like the isolated, I'm not a people person people. And I'm not saying you need to be best friends with somebody. And I'm not saying you need to share your life with everyone, but you need to share it with someone. And in order for us to move from, from what, we're, what we're doing to where we're, what we're in to where we're supposed to go, it's in this moment we're going to have to have some collective faith. There's a, there's a, this is a principle all throughout the Bible, which, by the way, you can see this in a negative fashion, when, like with Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, you actually see a point where Jesus goes to his hometown to a place where he was very familiar. He goes to their place. He gets there. And the Bible says it was their collective lack of faith that actually hindered the power of Jesus in that area. The opposite was true when they actually had another moment where uh, Mark chapter 2 where it tells a great story where Jesus is teaching inside of a home and the home was actually ripped open. The roof was ripped open. It would be like today right now. Somebody comes up. There's people on the top. They start ripping open the, the roof. We send ushers up there. Say, stop. What are you doing? How, how, what, what in the world's going on? And they start lowering somebody down into the front crowd of Jesus so that his friend, could, that guy, that guy who was a paralytic could not get to Jesus without his friends could not get to his miracle without his friends. And so some of us, we think that we're just going to go get to Jesus by ourselves. Sometimes you're going to need, I, I like, I tell our church, sometimes you're going to need to borrow the faith of others. Because I don't know about you, sometimes when I go through something, I don't feel it. I'm like, I ain't going to make it. This is, this is, well, this is it. This is how the story ends. You ever get like that? Anybody else dramatic like me? My wife says I'm dramatic. I'm everything in my life is the end of the world. You know, I'm like something happens. I get a, a hangnail. I get a flat tire. You know, something happens. I'm like, well, you know, Satan's after me. You know, and I'm like, no, Satan ain't after you. You just ran over a nail. You know, like, right? Like, not everything is 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 the end of the world. But for me, I just know sometimes I gotta have to borrow the faith of my friend. I have to borrow the faith of somebody. I, it's going to have to care. You're gonna need, in order to get to your miracle moment, you're going to need to borrow the collective faith of somebody around you. And so, so if, if, if that's you, then, then the goal would be is, in order to do this, here's how you do this. 
how you, how you establish collective faith? You have to establish it before the, miracle, before the problem happens, before the garden. It's hard to, um, I've noticed this, it's hard to change a flat tire when the car's moving. Right? It's hard to, like, you, you, you don't, you don't want to start preparing for the problem while the problem is happening. It's infinitely harder. So if you're in the middle of that moment, let's just say you guys are happening, potentially maybe you're in here right now and you're like, you know, I'm in a good place. Then if I were you, I would prepare for the next coming garden. Which means I would start surrounding myself and start working on relationships so that when that does happen, I got somebody I can lean on. Um, I remember about, so we were, we planned our church in 2018, which by the way, it's been an incredible move of God. I, it, I, I can't even explain to you how good, we've never been to San Antonio, by the way. We picked it because uh, of uh, Pastor Steve Robinson, who's at Church of the King in uh, Mandeville, Louisiana. He said, hey, go check it out. That's literally what he told us. He goes, man, I'm telling you, that's a great city. You should go check it out. We had a, a we, well, I was talking about going back to California. Thank God I didn't. I think that state's going to break off into the middle of the ocean. So, <laughs> but... But I was going to go back home, and he goes, no, you need to go check out Texas. And I'm like, okay, and now I live in Texas, which I really believe is God's country. I just love that state. It's just amazing. And so we're in Texas. So we go, and we visit, and we just, God moment after God moment, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is amazing. And so we we planted our church in in, 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 uh, 2018. But before we planted our church in 20, we planted in, like, uh, September 30th. And right before that, we were were kind of getting ready for the church, and we had this kind of conference that we were at to. And um, I just remember thinking, like, there was, we had, like, my son, my little son had broken his two front teeth. He was one, broke his teeth out. He had to have root canals. I was going through a depression and anxiety that I'd never, I'd never felt depression or anxiety in my entire life. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I felt demonic oppression. Stuff was going on in our house. My wife was sick. My kids were going crazy. I mean, like, we, we had, like, money issues with the church. Like, we had people that were, like, promised to be there, but then they didn't come. How many of y'all ever had that? Or somebody promised you something and they didn't show up? Oh, yeah, that's life. And so, like, I'm in the middle of it and I'm like I'm not sure I can really make it I'm at this conference and I'm not and and y'all think I y'all would think I would manufacture this story I can't make this stuff up Pastor Bubba McCann and Tracy and we see we were in a hotel we sat in a lobby and I just looked at at Pastor Bubba and I I remember telling him I was like I I know we're gonna do it but I just don't think it's I don't think it's gonna work out I, I don't I don't I don't see this is not the way I had planned. I had a plan. How many of y'all have ever had a plan? And then, and then life happened. And I'm like crying and I'm frustrated and I'm mad. And before I had that meeting with Pastor Bubba, I was like, God, I don't understand. This is messed up. I work for you. You're supposed to help this. So... Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy sit with me for an hour, my wife, and we sit and we talk. And I look back on that now, and he just spoke life and faith. And man of God, you're going to, and only the way he can. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Part of the part of those those moments, God sends you know angels to strengthen. And Pastor Bubba, he said, "You gonna do it?" And he goes, "And when you do it, 
it's going to be amazing. And then you come over to Jennings and we eat good food. And he was always trying to get me to hunt. I'm not a hunter. Like, you know, I'm a, like, I, I don't mind hunting. I, I, I think it's amazing. But, you know, I like shooting maybe more ducks. I'm not really big on the getting up early and being cold. And the, I like going to the mall. I'm more of a mall guy. Um, but he, he spoke faith. And I really believe this. I believe God used Pastor Bubba to, to Miss Tracy, to use you guys to get us to what we wouldn't have what we have without them. And it's that collective faith that will going to get you to your next step. And so I'm just telling you right now, if that's you and your position, can I just tell you the local church is the best opportunity for you to find those relationships? Because I love what Pastor Josh, you said. It's like you get in this place and you really like there, most of our church, I think like you, know, you see people and you're like, that's a kind of a weird person. But, man, I'm so glad we're together because we love you. We're just here under Jesus. We're, let's go get some food. We'll get some crawfish. We'll get some some crabs, some boiled shrimp. That's powerful, I'm telling you. And I just, I love that, like, you can establish relationships and do that now. Like, look around. Like, who you are, like, what you have now is what's going to get you through your next step. Number two is this um, submitted faith. Submitted faith. So first you have collective faith, then you have submitted faith. Luke chapter 22, it says, saying, Father, if you're willing to remove remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your wills be done. I don't know if y'all are like me, but I pray half that prayer. Does anybody else go to God when something bad's happening and go, God, it's time for you to remove this cup from me? That's it. I'll wait. Right? Does anybody else pray that like me? Like, I pray that all the time. I'm like, Jesus, I can pray half that prayer. I'm good with that. But, but Jesus doesn't stop. He says, but nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. I, I like that Jesus had a human moment. I like that Jesus was like, man, I don't really want to do this, God. Is there any other way, God? Can we, can we, is this up for negotiation? Has anybody ever negotiated with God before? Come on, right? You're like, look, God, I will, here's how we do it. Lord, if you just take this away, I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll give, I'll serve, I'll be nice to my wife. My, I'll cook dinner for my husband. I, whatever you need, I will do it. Just get this away. You're negotiating, right? You're saying, what do I need to do, God, in order to remove this from me? But Jesus doesn't negotiate with God. He, he kind of says, look, that my desire would be for you to not, for me to, if there's another way, I would love to do that. But again, at the end of the day, no matter what, whatever you want, not what I want. That God, you can do anything, but even if you don't, I ain't going anywhere. It's his faith. You know, faith is agreement with God. Faith is believing, God, you are who you said you were and you can do what you said you can do. And that's big faith when you're able to say something like, well, you know, God, I really think you should do this, but if you don't, it's all good. If you don't fix my marriage, I'm still going to be at church on Sunday. If you don't bring my kid back from being a prodigal, I'm still going to give every 10% I get. Like if you don't, if you, God, I, look, honestly, at the end of the day, like if you don't heal this disease from me, I would much prefer not to have this disease. But if you don't heal, that's okay. I just want you to know I'm not going anywhere. This isn't a negotiation. I'm just giving you my thoughts. But I'm, I'm submitted. I'm submitted. I'm, I'm not going to treat you like a cosmic vending machine where I put my faith in and then you give back. 
period. And, and, and when you submit your will to God the way Jesus did, I'm telling you, it, it, it opens up miracles. And submission is hard. Have you ever, when I read the Bible, I ask weird questions. I'm like, God, how, how, how would people submit to you if they can't see you? How can, how can they submit to you if they're just new to this thing called Christianity or they're new to relationship with God? Honestly, I mean, maybe you're not new. Maybe you've been saved since Moses has been on the earth. But like, like you, submitting your, your will to God is a hard thing to do. And I felt like he said it's found, it's found in, the, in the steps of submission that you learn to submit to godly authority in order to submit to the authority of God. That, that the way you, the way you, it's why God says in scripture to honor your authorities. Because he's teaching you how to submit to a, an earthly authority that God has established. The Bible says God's established lead and, and your submission to those earth is helping you submit to the God. It's, you're able to submit to people you can see so that you can submit to a God you can't. And in those steps, you, 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 you walk through the small submission moments to bring you through to the, your big submission moments. I, I tell people at our church, I'm not everybody's pastor. And they're like, oh, no, you're the pastor here. I said, I know, I'm not, I, I know who I am. I'm not insecure in the idea that, like, I know I'm the senior leader here, but I'm not everybody's pastor. And they're like, well, what do you mean? You're the pastor. No, I know I'm somebody's, I'm, some people, I'm their teacher. Some people, I'm their joke teller. Some people, I'm their friend. But I'm not everybody's pastor in here. They said, well, how do, you, how do I make you my pastor? I said, well, here's how we find out when our wills cross. That's how. When you want to do something, and I want you to do something different, and then we find out what happens. Because submission starts where agreement ends. So in, in my opinion, if there's something to do and, and I want you to do it and you want to do the same thing, that isn't submission, that's agreement. And what we had with Jesus was we had Jesus like, God, I'd rather do something else. And God's saying, no, I'm going to have you do this. And Jesus says, okay, I'll do yours. I'll do what you're willing. I'm, I'm going to do what you, I'm going to do what you ask. And so it, I tell our church, the only way I know I'm your pastor is when our wills cross. When you decide that you want to um, not honor your family, and I tell you, you need to honor your family, and then we see what happens. Then I'm your pastor. I, I, I've had moments with, with people where they're, they're, you know, they, they, they don't have somebody in their life to tell them no. And so because they haven't established an earthly authority in their life, like a pastor or a spiritual leader in their life, they struggle with submission to God. Well, yeah, you're going to struggle with submission to God. If you can't submit to a, a pastor who represents God, how are you going to submit to a God you can't see? And so a lot of us like to skip it. We like go, no, we don't need to submit to a pastor. I don't need a pastor in my life. I'm going to submit to God. That's a big step. By the way, there are no leaps of faith in the Bible. That is a Hollywood thing. There are steps of faith. The Bible says steps of the righteous are order of the Lord, not leaps. So your step 
Could be that, you know what, today I'm not going to do what I want to do. Today I'm going to show up on Sunday morning and I'm going to do what my leader tells me to do, not because he's in charge and I don't, I don't like authority, because I work as unto God, that's what the Bible says, and I'm going to do, if I submit to him and I learn how to submit to her, and I learn how to submit to my, my earthly authority, then I can learn how to actually submit to a godly authority I can't see. And I'm going to take a step of faith. Um, my son, the other day, uh, he, his name's Judah. He's not in here. I have five. The three older ones are in here. My fourth is four, babe, fourth. Okay, I have a lot of kids. So fourth, he's seven. He's seven, right? He's eight. He's eight years old. His, his name's Judah, right? Okay, good. Judah. Judah, he's eight years old. The other day, I was sitting on the couch, and I said, son, he was walking up the stairs. I'm not kidding you. I'm sitting on the couch. My couch is right here. My banister, my stairs go up, right up, there, and go straight up to the thing. And I look over. I happen to look. I'm watching golf, because golf is God's sport. And so I'm watching golf. And so I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, this is amazing. And we're doing it. And I look over at him, and he's licking. I'm not kidding you. He's licking the banister <laughs> as he walks up the stairs. Now, if you have boys, does anybody have boys in here? If you have a boy child, y'all get exactly what I'm saying. You just, why are you doing that? I don't even understand where you come from, what is going on in your mind. So what comes out of me is yelling because I'm a godly parent. And uh, I'm like, what are you doing? Judah goes, what? I said, stop licking the banister. He goes, Dad, I like to lick the banister. I said, so don't tell anybody that, son, okay? Let's just keep that between you and me. And he goes, uh, he goes no, I like to lick the banister. I said, he says, I want to lick the banister. I said, I get that what you want to do is to lick the banister. I'm telling you, do not lick the banister. He said, okay, Dad. So he starts at the bottom of the stairs. Again, I look over. No kidding. About 10 seconds later, I look over to the left. And he's not licking the banister. He's now running his lips up the banister. And I look at him, and I said, Judah, I just told you not to lick the banister. He said, I'm not licking it. I'm just putting my mind. My, my. Does anybody else have a kid who finds the technicalities in everything that you said? I'm not going to describe to you every moment and position and how to not put your mouth on the banister. Listen and obey. Come on. How many of y'all know partial obedience is disobedience? And all the parents said... So I tell them, don't lick the banister. Don't put your mouth on the banister. Don't even look at the banister. Look away from the banister. And he came to me and he said, Dad, well, I want to do it. I said, I get that you want to do it. And I had to explain to him. I said, you know why you need to listen to Dad? Because I'm teaching you to listen to authority. Because if you don't listen to Dad, then that then you don't listen to your teachers. Then maybe you don't listen to your, uh, your, another pastor. Maybe you don't listen to the police. Maybe you don't listen to a elected official. Maybe you don't listen to a, a spiritual guide in your life. And eventually that leads up to how am I ever going to teach you to listen to the voice of God and listen to the will of God and submit to the will of God, which is ultimately our, jo our goal in the life as a parent. How am I going to get you to listen to God when you don't, you don't listen to me? What was I teaching him how to be submitted? Because he didn't agree, but that's okay. Because that's not what submission is. Submitted, submitted faith. So third, third one is this, unshakable. I'm almost done. Um, this is faith that isn't changed by circumstance. This is Luke chapter 22. He says, and when he arose from prayer, he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. Um, Matthew, the gospel of Matthew actually says he, does, he did this three times. Now that's messed up. When you have friends who weren't there for you in your toughest moment. That's messed up, don't you think? Has anybody ever had a moment where you felt betrayed? Where your friends said they would be there for you, and then they, I, I define friendship as be there moments. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm in a moment 
and I need you to be there, and you don't be there, we ain't friends. Yeah, I'm just, it just is what it is. And um, that, that really spoke to me that, that, that Jesus would bring people, but then they, he set his circumstances up so that he would have faith, and then things didn't go the way that he had planned. My kind of faith is like, I don't know if you struggle with this. My circumstances determine my faith a lot. But Jesus' type faith, he, he, he lets his faith determine his circumstances. And he says, oh, I know y'all. Y'all fools didn't even stay up and pray with me. But that's okay. I prayed. And my circumstances didn't turn out. Though. This didn't go the way I'd planned. I brought y'all to help me, but you didn't help me. But that's okay. I'm still, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on God. What was he doing in that moment? Did he, did he sulk? Did he get on social media and post about all the people that betrayed him? I find it interesting. Social, by the way, just if I can get on a bit of a soapbox moment for social media. Hear me out. I just, want, I, just want, I just want to mention something. There has been no study. Zero. Everybody say zero. Zero, zero studies in any organization, in any college, in any professional institute that has ever come out with a professional research study that said social media has made you healthier. There has been multiple multiple, multiple <laughs> studies that have come out and said, every moment you're on social media, it is unhealthy for you. Dramatic pause. So I'm not saying you should close all your accounts. But maybe y'all should close all y'all accounts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, at some point, we have to recognize what is really healthy in our life. And if, 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 you, go, if you go to social media when you have an issue instead of going to God when you have an issue, I just wonder if you're getting your eyes on the wrong thing. There's a weird story in the Bible. You know, two people walked on water, recorded history. It's Jesus. Peter. Jesus invited Peter out to walk on water. Go read it for you. It's Matthew chapter 14. It's the craziest thing. And he, he said, and Jesus was walking on water. And Peter said, how oh, can I do it? Like a kid, right? And I think Jesus, this is why I think Jesus is so cool. Because Jesus can be like, no, nah, homie. This is what I do. Jesus said, yeah. come on. Come on, come see how cool it is to, be, to follow in my footsteps. Come on, come on. And so Peter walks out, gets out the boat, and he's walking on water. And then the Bible says that, what did he start doing? When he, when, he, when he noticed the circumstances around him were less than ideal, he started going, oh, my Lord, I don't have money in the bank. Oh, what in the world happened to my child? And why is my husband the way that he is? I don't understand when I told him to put his laundry in the basket, not next to the basket, just in it. Just, I'm a professional laundry thrower next to the basket. Any other guys good at that other than me? Drive your wife crazy. Just pick it up and just put it. And, and, and we take our eyes off of Jesus for one moment, and the Bible says he started to sink. 
And if you're focused on your circumstances and your issues, you're never going to do what Jesus called you to do. And you'll never be able to walk and do. That was a miracle that Peter was. He was in a miracle moment. And he took his eyes off Jesus. And he sank. And I think in your moments of tough moment, I think in your, in your stressed moments, in your pressure moments, it's easy to take our eyes off of God that doesn't keep you in your miracle, that takes you out of it. And so I'm passionate about, like, being careful with people with social media and stuff. And you can go to our church. I'm, like, I'm known as, like, the social media hater. But, like, I just, it's because it drags our attention from the wrong thing. You're going to places and the people that are not going to help you. They're only going to feed your hurt, feed your pain, feed your insecurity. Because you're going to see everybody else who's on vacation and you want to be on vacation. And you're going to see all the new things that they bought. And they're going to show you all the cool pictures of their family that don't, they're not real pictures. That picture of my family is not a real picture. It's been airbrushed. It's been set up. We you know how many times I had to threaten my children to stand there and smile? That's not real. But we posted on like, hashtag blast, life good. And then you look at your kid and he's eating like glue and you're like, why do I have a fa-? It's not real. So what I'm saying is, is at some point you're going to have to keep your eyes on Jesus. How do you do that? I was talking to my son the other day. He was, um, I was teaching him how to throw baseball. I grew up playing baseball. I know I had a wrestling story, but I grew up playing baseball most of my life. It was fall ball and spring ball. I played twice a year all the way through high school. So I really love baseball. And um, I was teaching him how to throw baseball. And I said, the number one thing you need to learn about throwing baseball is, is you have to look at where you're throwing it. You to look, if you look away, it's amazing in Little League, especially if you teach, teach kids. If they look over there, the ball goes over there. But if you look at where I'm going, so you know why catchers give targets to pitchers even in the major league? So they have somewhere to throw it to. These are major league ball players who get paid millions of dollars, who all they do is throw baseball. That's their profession. And they still need a target to throw. So what I'm saying is, is keep your eyes in your circumstance on Jesus and not on your problems. And if you do that, it'll help you stay above the water. Because some of us feel like we're underwater. And you want to get about on the, you got to get your eyes on Jesus. It's not logical. It's not illogical. It's theological. You have to insert Jesus into every circumstance. That's period number three. And number four, and I'm done. And then I'll get off the stage. Healing faith. I think you need healing faith. Luke chapter 22 says, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. You know what the world, most of the world says? This is a famous statement. You, y'all could, I don't know, y'all played the pretty music? Awesome, great. I'm done. The, the, the world says, y'all heard this before, hurt people. Hurt people, right? And that statement is, when you're hurt, you tend to hurt others that are around you. Jesus throws that on his forehead. You see that, right? Because the Bible says Jesus was in pain and was in agony. He was hurt. And in his hurt moment, hurt people don't hurt people. In his moment, hurt people heal people. So he picked up his ear and he healed him. He moves the standard from saying, if you're hurt, then you've got a license to hurt others. To if you're hurt, you should help others. You should heal others. That you should look for ways to heal others while you're hurting. That my, my coach, did, I did one time when I was running laps, I hurt my foot. Like my toe, I stubbed my toe on something. And I did what all kids do. Ow, I can't run. 
And my coach said, it's the greatest statement. I say this to my kids sometimes too. Oh, okay. We'll do it while you're hurt. And when I started running again, it's amazing how the toe didn't hurt anymore. It's amazing how I was okay when I didn't think I was okay. And when you're hurting, the easiest thing for you to do is to recluse and to stop, retreat back, not try to be at church, not try to hit. Some, you know, one of the, some of the, I don't know if you get this, Pastor Josh, but some of the greatest uh, leaders in our church, the people who minister the best in our church, are not the people who aren't going through something. They're the people who are. And so some of you have disqualified yourself because you think you can't heal or help people because you're hurt. Jesus says, it's because you're hurt you should help people. It's because you're going through something. You got something to say. You got a testimony. You got a gift. You got something to talk about. You can do something for God even while. So I'm just saying like a little bit, do it while you're hurt. Don't wait to. And again, I'm, this is a generality. Some people need help and you need healing. So please don't mince my words, but. I think all of us are going to go. You, if you're waiting for perfect circumstances, they're just never going to come. And so I'm telling you, if you're waiting to get into this church and jump all in, now's the time. You're like, oh, I'm going to check with God. No, I checked with him for you. I work for him. He said, now's the time. Yeah. He's good with it. He's good with you starting now. And, 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 and while you do that, you'll be amazed how much your hurt will get healed in the process. Will you pray with me right now? Father, I just thank you, God, for your, G- your son Jesus and the faith that he had in his pressure moments. And I pray that, God, if we're going, if wherever is going through something right now, that, Lord, if they're going through something, they can truly be healed by the faith that they can have in this moment, whether it's collective faith or whether it's healing faith or whether it's, it's just our ability to, to, to have, to have a, to, I think, to have a moment with you that's precious. And we can get out of our tough moments and make it to Sunday, which is our miracle. I pray for every one of everybody in here, for their faith to rise up today and be the best person that they can be under your precious spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.